You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. All right, so elephant seals, Angie. Do you know I've seen these on the beach in California? What can they teach us? For instance, the elephant seal is the only known animal capable of collapsing their lungs. And they do this during a dive. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Angie, this is going to be a fun one. I feel it. I feel it. Feel <laughs> oh, it. Feel yeah. it. I was staying up really late la- last night watching uh, videos about the species of the week because I was just so impressed by their physiology, their behavior. Everything. This is a very impressive animal. So kudos to you for suggesting it. Yes. Well, I've got to give a shout out to Rob Lang again at Underdone Comics because last week we did the Saiga and mm-hmm. it had this wonderful nose, this, this incredible nose for an antelope. And Rob let us post one of his comics and it's hilarious comics. So go to our Facebook if you haven't seen it. And it shows a saiga and an elephant seal chatting, <laughs> which is, is hilarious. <sighs> so, so we have next week, hopefully next week, big species coming. And Angie conducted an amazing interview from, from the field. This, this, this conservation expert was in the field. We're going to leave you hanging this week on it. Indonesia, somewhere and in Indonesia. Just, How about we'll give him that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> we- but he, but he's, but, but he's in Africa right now. Yes. So we have to get his approval before we post it. So we were scrambled a little bit and we were like, Oh no. So, so we came up with the elephant seal just as a sit in and I'm glad we did. It's amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. It's, we're definitely on the theme of extra large noses. So that's, fun. <laughs> that's fun for everyone and definitely for me. And, yeah. but yes, this is the physiology. This is our first species of seal that we've covered to date. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you'll learn a lot of facts about seals, things that I didn't even know how they're separated and they're different. Uh, groups and just, just mm-hmm. amazing physiology being, uh, marine mammals oh. that live in the ocean is just in, incredible. Let alone that, that seal face is just 
so, oh, so stinking adorable. cute. Yeah. I mean, I, some, I, sometimes I think some of the, the lab mixes or the retriever mixes, they, the, of dogs, when you just, if you like pull their ears back or hide their ears, their faces look like a seal. <laughs> so you can smooch, yeah, you can like smooch so... it and pretend your dog's a seal. Cause you wouldn't want to smooch a real seal. That would be. No, not good. No, 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 <laughs> no. Well, we can ask, you know, I was going to say shout out to Jim Winepress because, you know, I'll ask him if he's smooched his seals. He's always training his seals out there in New York and, and he's posting on, on social media. And so I, I always enjoy seeing him out there with his. So I'll have to ask him when I, when I talk to him. Yeah. Next. I'm pretty sure the protocol is pretty tight about the smooching of seals. However. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They blow them a kiss. I've seen no, that. Especially in a, the other thing too, if they have, they have, they have stinky fish breath theme, they might, they might be cuter from a distance, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> we won't, we won't go there without, uh, you and John, maybe it's sushi or something. <laughs> and there's just something about the ocean. I was just a couple weeks ago with a really good friend and we were just out looking at the ocean and there's just something about the ocean, Angie. I just don't know what it is. Like we always love these species. It's just so, Hypnotic. It's very hypnotic. The ocean's just hypnotic. Well, and I, I'm yeah. a water sign. I'm a cancer and I grew up on Lake Michigan, which okay. for a lot of people that aren't familiar think that, oh, it's a lake, but it's really a great lake. And so it has waves. I mean, some three, four, five, mm-hmm. six footers and storms, maybe not that high. Anyways, uh, but it's a, and you can't see across it. So it, it's, it's like an ocean, but there's no salt and no sharks in it. So it's pretty wonderful for that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just always the same thing, Chris. I've always been mesmerized by the water. Um, I came from a big family mm-hmm. of people that love being out on the water, whether it was fishing or boating. And so, yeah, I, and I think so. It's just so mysterious. And we'll, we're going to dive into that with the elephant seal mm-hmm, today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon the pun. I've been waiting for that all day, <laughs> but yes, yes. There's, but what they do and where they go, we just, there's just, there's still, so much we don't know about well, ab- about oh, their migration no. and about how they do what they do. And, and, and of course we, we're going to discuss to some of the amazing physiology because that's where we come in as, uh, as the physiology experts, but it still is fascinating and mesmerizing and hypnotic and all of those words. And then you just, you put this picture of an elephant seal with it, especially the, the male, mm-hmm. um, out in front of the water and it's just, it's uh it's pretty darn cool. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and let me ask you a quick question. Cause I've got some surprises for you today. Oh. Are there any seals? Were there any seals in Lake Michigan or in the great lakes up there? No, I, okay. it's what my gut, my gut instinct yeah. says, but I'm yeah. not a seal expert. I'm just no. a beginner. Yes. Well, you will be today at the end of this podcast. You'll be <laughs> somewhat of an expert. <laughs> Hopefully. So do you know, are there any seals in fresh water? Do you know? All right, I'll stump you later. Would, I'll stump you. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I don't, I, I, I would say no, but I feel like I'm I know you don't right now. You might air. be, you might be, maybe in front maybe, of you tens of thousands of people that listen the to listeners. us. Just kidding. <laughs> no, we have, we do. We're, we've got hundreds of thousands. Yeah, we've got thousands of listeners. So, and speaking of listeners, it's a good point to jump in. I want to thank the listeners that have been sharing. Lately on, on social media, please, we, we take notice and it's been amazing. The response has really deep thought this week. You know, Angie and I, we love doing this podcast. We love spreading the knowledge and, you know, we, 
in the past year and a half, we've Speak covered for yourself, Chris. 80... I just love, I just love, I just love learning about Talk. animals and talking. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, think about no, it. No, I love covered, sharing. You know, nearly, nearly eighty species. You know, six. I think, I think we're like wow. seventy-three species. It's been that many. Yeah. It, we've covered a ton, and they're, they're still letting letting us on the free airwaves. That's yes, impressive. Yes, we keep putting it out. <laughs> we still have people. We had downloads in Rwanda last week. It was amazing. I love looking at the map. So, you know, we've covered all these species. We've got a global look of what's going on out there, and it and it's not particularly good news. And we're going to you know be taking some action here in, in the future on this podcast to to really empower you, because really thinking about it. You know, Angie and I are just delivering information and we've made changes in our own personal lives, how we, you know, deal with plastics and things like that. But the heroes aren't Angie and I. You're the heroes. The listeners are the heroes. You're the ones that are sharing this information. And if you can make change, positive change in your lives, join our movement, make the earth a better place for these creatures, you know, you're the hero. And so when you share those episodes, it made me really think about it this week. And I'm like, man, you guys are amazing. You're the heroes. Please keep helping us grow. This message needs to get out. The animals need our help. I mean, the environment needs our help. And so this is just one catalyst to capture that energy. So thank you. Thank you. You're the ones changing the world. You're the conservation heroes. You know, you're the ones that Angie and I look at and just, you know, we love you. And so thank you. So Please keep sharing. Please keep keep doing and listening and, and all the things that you're doing. Absolutely, Chris. Well said. And thank you so much, everyone, yes, for joining the movement and caring about wildlife and conservation and the environment. And I just think that every every little tidbit of knowledge and or excitement or passion that you can impart on somebody that you know or love or a friend or even a new person that you meet, mm-hmm. get them fired up and excited about animals they've never heard about, like the Saiga and other really cool creatures that probably some people have never heard of. So passing that along is is just huge, getting people excited. Now, one of my mottos has always been, you never know who's going to be the next Jane Goodall. And which it was just her mm-hmm, birthday this mm-hmm. past week. So happy birthday to her. I know. I know. Maybe someday uh, she'll grace her. us with her presence on this podcast. That would be, yes, yes. that would be the ultimate. Yeah. That would be Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. like a thousand times. I mean, <laughs> it's between us and Corbin racing to get that interview first. You know, I know we just <laughs> talked to him about it. <laughs> we're racing each other. We're going to beat you, Corbin. I know you're listening. We're I'm gonna just, beat you. I'm just saying, I mean, she is like, wow. I mean, we all know that Leonardo's like, wow, for me. But hey, uh, yeah. we're working on that one. We're working on that one. Don't get on. Uh, so, who gets to conduct that one, me or you? Um, yeah, please, I Chris, I please. I got it. Yes. I, I got it. Have you, you learned you will... nothing this, this past couple of years? And if we could do it live, you'll just fly out here to LA, you know, and see us. So. <laughs> I doubt he lives in LA. He, I, he, I feel like he's more of a Perry, a Paris guy. Don't you think? Paris Paris? Guy? I, don't where, I don't know where he lives. I don't, I don't know. I have to look. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I clearly don't stalk him that much. So no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so elephant seals, Angie. Do you know I've seen these on the beach in California? Yay! Well, that's why I thought it, this yeah. is such a great species for you, and maybe you can go yeah. snap us some pictures. And I, I found some places where they have breeding colonies that I'll get to mm-hmm. in the podcast, so all of our California fans can maybe go check them out. 
and that oh, obviously yeah. oh, you, yeah. Chris. So, yeah. You know what I remember about it? It was in San Simeon. So that's up near like Hearst Castle, north of San Luis Obispo when I was getting my undergrad. Do you know what I noticed about them? They're all laying on the beach. You know what I saw a lot of? Ticks crawling on the beach. Ticks. They're like, it's a feast, and they just came out of the bushes, all these ticks, these poor elephant seals. Oh, but they're gorgeous. Not the ticks, the elephant seals are. Yeah. <laughs> me and ticks. Yeah, you, you know, me and ticks. I know, Chris, and some researchers hypothesize that we're going to see more ticks in the years to come because of global climate change. So, ugh. And those poor elephant seals, geez. I know. We need more possums, like Corbin said. They eat all those Yes. Ticks. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, stay tuned towards the end because I found a really good study on great whites and elephant seals. And they, they've been doing a, a longitudinal study off the Farallon Islands off San Francisco, which has a pretty healthy population of great whites. And elephant seals come and rest on those islands. So they've, they've been able to study the interaction between the two. So it was really interesting. I got some really interesting data towards the end that you want to, you want to stick to. Now, Angie and I are talking about elephant seals, pinnipeds. It's a true seal. Now we've covered a pinniped. Should we describe yes. them? Okay. Yes. That's where we're going. The big nose okay. as you make the, the hand gesture. <laughs> we covered the ones with the, here's my hand gesture. Which pinniped did we cover with this one? <laughs> the walrus? That likes to, yes, yes. So we've covered walruses, but this is a true seal. Correct. Right? Huge. Now, what's bigger, the elephant seal or the walrus? Ooh. The elephant seal. Yes, you're right. Yay, Dr. Angie. Dr. Angie's in the house tonight, folks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I showed up (laughs) with my coffee and my tap water. (laughs) But yeah, southern, the southern, so there's two elephant seals. The southern elephant seal can reach 20 feet long or six meters. That is huge. And these are the males. Way up to, wait for it, it's almost elephant size. I mean, that's, and I'll get to why they call them elephant seals. Way up to 8,800 pounds or 4,000 kilograms. Enormous. These are yeah. huge, huge. Yeah, I would, I, I have not seen them, um, in, uh, in the wild. And so mm-hmm. to prepare for this podcast, it's one thing to, to, put those numbers out or read mm. those numbers. But that's where mm-hmm. I went to the, the good old YouTube and mm-hmm. wow, Chris, their size. I, yeah. that's what I was not prepared for. That's what blew me yeah. out of the water with this podcast was the size. They're, they're big. They're big. And the females are about half, the, half the length at three meters or 10 feet, but only weigh two. Th- yeah. I mean, only, only 2000, uh, 2000 pounds. <laughs> only or, a ton. Yeah. A ton. <laughs> only, but compared to the males, holy Gosh. So I was going to say that they have these long noses and they're not named elephant seals because they're the largest seals. They were named elephant seals because of the nose, right? They had the males have yes. this really long snout and it does have some purpose. Well, Chris, it's, it's hard to describe. So we'll definitely put some picture on our show notes. So make sure and check out our website or Google image it, but it's, yeah, the, the nose is large and inflated which and they have a term for it proboscis the, yeah the pro- large proboscis, proboscis yeah, yeah. mhm it does it resembles an elephant trunk not nearly as long no obviously as an elephant's trunk but 
very distinguishable. I mean, very mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you, you can't miss it. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's huge and it does have some physio, <laughs> physiological function. So yes. like the Saiga last week, it, it, it does have purpose and it does look a lot like a Saiga. So it's, it's a little bit longer in the northern elephant seal. The southern elephant seal is a little bit shorter, uh, their noses. Mm-hmm. Now they are true seals because they have no ear flaps. So when we get to evolution, I've got some really cool stuff. You know, I'll kind of remind the listeners of, of what we covered in walrus, the differences between true seals and what's not considered a, a true seal. Now, they have this broad, flat face, and they have the hugest eyes, right? They're like puppy dog eyes. Gorgeous almost. eyes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. They're And then they have what? Silver brown coloration. And then the, yeah, generally brown, um, yeah. males are usually a little darker brown and females right. can be a little bit more tan in color, but similar to other species we've talked about, they have that counter shading mm-hmm. where they're darker on their dorsal or top part and mm-hmm. lighter colored ventrally or on their bottom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is so interesting. Like, you know, just all the aquatic species that have that to avoid mm-hmm. predation or even predators, you know, think of a great white shark, which we're going to talk a little bit about today you know, uh, dark on top, white underneath to see that. Now, this was, this was interesting. And there's a reason, I think there's, there's part of a reason why we see this today, but the Northern elephant seals range generally off California, Baja, California, down Mm -hmm. in Mexico, but they can range up into Alaska. So they do go up the West coast, you know, British Columbia, all the way up into Alaska. Yeah, I read the southern tip of Vancouver Island, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now they they do prefer islands, but they do come on the mainland. You know, like I saw them in California. They they do at times. Now the southern's much broader, wide range, huge range, subantarctic huge, yeah. to Antarctic conditions. So it's freezing cold, but they love it. They love it. So down there in New Zealand, you know where I was at last year, South Australia. Southern tip of Africa and the southern tip of South America down to the Antarctic is where the southern elephant seals range. Yeah. I, I think the northerns might have been a little bit more spread out on the Pacific, but we'll, we'll get to their conservation story because they were almost wiped out. I mean, they were, they almost went extinct. They were Mm -hmm. on the the cusp and that kind of leads me into why care. Um, you know, thinking about a major, this is a predator, a carnivore. So they are out there feeding on squid, fish, crustaceans, but they also are prey for other species. So they're not the top of the food chain in the ocean, but they're up there. And in 1910, Angie, 1910, a, a century ago, there was only a, a less than a hundred northern elephant seals left in the world. Well, the southerns were pretty much wiped out too. I'm not sure the exact Almost, numbers. yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost, yep. And what happened was at the end of the 1800s, with whale populations in decline, they went and started taking elephant seals for the blubber, right, and the oil. So they were almost hunted to extinction, just like we talked about the bison a couple of weeks ago. They were down to 600. So what that means is, this population, both of them really, but really the Northerns, talk about a tremendous genetic bottleneck. Tremendous. And so again, here we have a species. Genetics are not as diverse as they should be. 
So a disease plus all these other pressures with the ocean. I mean, ocean health is such a concern right now. Plastic. I mean, Angie, just this week, just this week in the news, did you read the article about the uh, sperm whale off Italy? Yeah. Yes. 50 pounds of plastic in her stomach. And she was pregnant. 50 pounds of plastic in the Mediterranean. That's so sad. Oh, it's horrific. It's horrific. So again, you're the heroes. The listeners are the heroes. We need to make changes. You can help us do this. We can impact thousands of people around the globe, not just here in the United States, but for our listeners down in Australia, New Zealand, Asia. We have listeners in Asia, Africa, and Europe. All of us in South America. We have listeners down in Brazil and uh, Colombia. Oh, Colombia. Mm-hmm. Colombia. Yeah. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> Did Anna go home for a couple weeks? <laughs> Listen. So we have a good friend back in Florida from Columbia. So, you know, you can help. You can help. And we're going to talk about towards the end some of the things you can do each week with our, our tips for conservation. Those are things that you can adopt easily and, you know, help us. Please help us. Yes. And you should care about elephant seals if we didn't, um, Already described them. <laughs> we probably didn't make them sound too cute with their large inflated oh, nose. Yeah. Well, and if we haven't already convinced you to love the elephant seals and protect the ocean, hopefully the rest of the podcast will do that. And we may have mm-hmm. not made the male sound super cute with this big inflated nose, but, and someone maybe argue it's only a face a mother could love, but I disagree. It's, it's, you gotta, you gotta pull up a picture and look at one. Interestingly, the female elephant seals do not have this large inflated nose. So if you're more of a seal traditionalist, like you want your seal to look <laughs> like you're, like you just put your hands mm-hmm. around your dog's face and pulled the ears back. Uh, yes. If you want it to look like that, then that's going to be your female monk seals because they do not have this exaggerated, um, elephant like nose, which uh, we'll discuss mm-hmm. some of the reasons and hypothesis why when we get to behavior. And Chris, a couple other reasons why people should care about elephant seals. Well, first and foremost, you know, being out in California, that the northern elephant mm-hmm. seals are a huge attraction for tourists in the annual Nuevo State mm-hmm. Reserve in California and in other different places. So visitors are, visitors can watch these magnificent animals haul up onto shore during the breeding season and have these amazing uh breeding behaviors, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. So that alone is really special, I, I think. And I highly vote that you should go do that and take some video for us. Uh, mm, I will. <laughs> but from a physiological point of view, researchers actually have a lot of interest in these animals. And they they hit some records with some of their uh, some of their extraordinary ocean stunts, I'll call them for lack of better terms. So for instance, the elephant seal is the only known animal capable of collapsing their lungs. And they do this during a dive. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways they're able to do this is they have this like surfactant or lubricant that helps them collapse their lungs. And currently that molecule or whatever that compound is, is being researched by the Scripps Institute just down the road from you in San Diego for, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and for potential benefits to premature, to preemies, to babies that are born with immature lungs. 
So, I mean, what? Like my mom, that makes my, that makes my oxytocin just like, you know, oh my gosh, like, ah, <laughs> yes, helps it, you know, because with preemies, I mean, preemies are living yeah. longer and healthier now than ever before. Mm-hmm. But, and for those of you that aren't as familiar with, um, how things develop as far as, um, embryology goes and, and development, uh, your lungs are one of the last things to mature before the baby is born, before you're born. And re- mm-hmm. there's all sorts of debate about what triggers a baby being born. Is it the mom triggering it? Is her, it a hormone cascade by her? Or is it some researchers think that it's a hormone cascade actually from the fetus that basically says, okay, my lungs are mature. So now let's start mm-hmm. this cascade of, Crazy uh, hormonal pathways and that basically then start the uterine contractions, which is what a woman going into labor. So mm-hmm. anyways, uh, really cool stuff. Sorry to dork out about that for a minute. No, no, no it's, but it's, <laughs> it's just, I, I, it, it, it's just so cool and so connected. Yeah. And I think everybody or most everybody knows, has a friend or knows of someone that was born prematurely and say, you know, was able to be saved by some of the, some of this technology. And if they, but some babies are born too young to survive. And so if, oh my goodness, if an elephant seals a compound in their lungs or surfactant their lungs can help researchers, like mm-hmm. that's incredible, Chris. That's just incredible to me. You know, it's, it's, it makes me think of every species we're covering. There's, there's something we're learning about them almost. So it makes me think of the Tasmanian devil. I've, just because I'm, I'm making some, some good friends down in Tasmania. Uh, Googs, shout nice. out to Googs down there in Tasmania. But I was talking to her and I want to try to get down there, Angie. So if I get down to Tassie, I know we have some Aussie friends who are like, you know, come out and see us in Australia. So you might have to come with me. And, I, and I'm laughing with her and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go trek and look for Tassie tigers. Cause she said she's heard them, but she has never seen them. And, and she was here in the States for a while and, and move back down there. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to go trek and I'm going to go find some Tassie tigers and I'm going to record the sounds. And then I thought for a minute, wait a minute, this isn't New Zealand. You can go trekking all over New Zealand and you're safe. There's nothing there that would kill you. Nothing. You know, it's a, some of the food's okay. It's good food. You know, it's decent. There's <laughs> everything in Australia will kill you. Like, I don't want to be going oh. trying to Tasmania. <laughs> I thought about it for a second. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would like to go to Australia Zoo. That's about my, 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 yes. <laughs> my comfort level. <laughs> Maybe the Great Barrier Reef, but yeah, yeah. Or, or, or with a guide. I would definitely like yeah, want yeah. a couple, a couple yeah. nice young Aussie gentlemen to, Make sure that I'm, or Lee. Hey, Lee, I got one for you. You know, Lee, Lee down there, Lee works, works down there in Australia and he's always posting stuff on Facebook. So shout out to Lee down there and he'll take you. He'll take you to the Dane tree. You can go find the cassowaries and the salty crocs and the platypus and all the things we talked about. The whole point of that story was Angie. It's so long. Where are we I'm going? Like, what are you talking about? I have, Chris, I have two more really important points about why you should care about elephant seals. <laughs> so let's, let's wrap it up, buddy. Let me wrap it up. Let me wrap it up. The whole point of that wasn't to say hi to Googs. It was to say Tazzy Tigers. Oh, hold on. Yeah, Tazzy Tigers. Is it Tazzy? Do those even oh exist? Oh my God, why did I say Tazzy Tigers? You've been saying Tazzy Tigers? Did I say Tazzy Tigers the whole time? The whole time. The whole freaking time. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not and on I'm drugs. Thinking, I promise and you. And I'm thinking like, aren't those extinct? Like, I'm pretty sure those extinct. Like, I didn't know if it were the joke. I thought it was going to be a joke. Um, uh, Tazzy devils, Angie. The Tasmanian devils okay. is what I was thinking. Do you want to back so, this up or do you want to leave this in here? Because no, it's so hilarious. No, no, no. I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it. And <laughs> the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> With the transmutable <laughs> cancer. Yes. Oh my God. Has cancer researchers around the world saddened by their plight, but excited to learn about this cancer. That was the point of that story. <laughs> to wow. talk about Tazzy tigers that went extinct a long time ago. I was, so that, anyways, and I, why care about elephants? I should have rescued you sooner. <laughs> I was just, I was just going with it. I, you know, we don't have a script here, folks. We just. I would just what they call like ebbing and flowing, or there's some term when in in, in stand up or not. Did you know Tazzy Tigers <laughs> exist now? <laughs> oh, that's what it is. It's 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 in um oh, sketch. It's what sketch comedy, or it's the comedy yeah. improv. It's an improv. Oh, it's when you're doing improv. when you're with a partner, yes. you can never do like negatives. <laughs> if they say something, you like have to go with it. So that's what I was, I, I, I never went to, I should have studied at Second City in Chicago, but I never did. But I, I have friends that have done that and they have sweet, like, that's what you do. Like you, like whatever wacky idea they come up with, you have to go with it. Yeah. So I was like sketching. I was like, okay, Tazzy Tigers. Okay. I don't know where this is. He's going to go look for mammoths. I like, no, next I'm going to go look for mammoths in Siberia. Like that I would actually believe here. you would do that. So anyways, oh my gosh. All right. So wow. I'm just high on life. Okay. Wow. Go ahead. Okay. So. You should also care about elephant seals because, um, and another really cool, you'll like this because you're a space dork. Another really cool reason to care about elephant seals is because they've been used in research related to the effects of weightlessness on bone density because they spend 90% of their time basically buoyant, right? In the water. So Mm -hmm. NASA Mm -hmm. has a lot of interest in these efforts to basically how do we in space, how do you counteract weightlessness on bone density in astronauts? Okay. Oh, cool. Very cool. cool. Right. Okay. okay. That's cool. And, yeah. yeah. And the last really cool thing, Chris, is we're going to get into their physiology, their dive physiology and just the record break, break breaking lengths that they mm-hmm. dive, depths that they dive. Mm-hmm. But researchers also want to, I don't know if exploit is the right word, but utilize potentially this or capture it somehow because they think that elephant seals can greatly aid human efforts to explore and map these deep oceans because sometimes instruments Mm. have a hard time uh, dealing with the pressure. Oh, wow. Wow. They're amazing. I mean, they're they're amazing. They're amazing. That's crazy. I, it's it's so funny just to, to pick the species and then just the stuff we've learned about them. It's just incredible. Since I went on that tangent about Tazzy tigers versus Tazzy devils, Tazzy tigers are extinct. Tazzy devils have the cancer that they spread by biting each other. Okay, so I'm going to go through evolution as fast as I can. Ready? Oh, Hold on no. tight. Hold on tight. Oh, Hold on no. tight. I, no. I, I actually didn't stuff. read anything, so take your time. Okay. I, I no, no, no. no. There, there's some good stuff. There's some really good stuff. All right, so that we have two species of elephant seal: the northern elephant seal, the southern elephant seal. Scientific name: Moronga angustrostris. Oh my goodness, oh, that's a big one. Angustrostris. A. Uh, Moronga A. I believe you. Then the southern elephant seal is Moronga leonine. 
So that's easier. Leonine. Leonine. Okay. <laughs> this damn scientific name. Go back to like episode two of our podcast trying to pronounce this stuff. Now I do know this one's easy. Pinnipeds is the, is the claw. Love day. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Elephant seals are from the family Fosidae, which is true seals, which we've already talked about. They don't have the ears. So that's monk seals, harbor seals, ring well, seals. So just to be clear, Chris, the, the true seals, they have ears, but they're internal. They don't have the outer mm. ear flap or what you would think when you see an ear or I think the technical term right. is yeah. oracle. I hope I just. Right, right. I just, right. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're right. And it's one. leopard seals are part of that. So mm-hmm. we have to cover leopard seals one day. Now we did the walrus. They're the family of Otabenidae. Then the family of Otoridae is sea lions, fur seals, and they have the, the external ears where you can see mm-hmm. ears and they're cute. I mean, they're all oh, cute. So they're all cute. cute. Now <clears throat> they are. Now we talked about pinniped evolution in the walrus. Basically a bear like creature came and became the walrus and eared seals. And then they think an otter-like animal evolved into other seals, but now there's a bunch of debates because of molecular genetics. It's the same every time we talk about this. So they do agree that there was a common ancestor about 30 million years ago. The elephant seals or phocids evolved about 15 million years ago. Long time. Elephant seals, as we know them today, emerged about 2 million years ago. Now, here is a fun fact I learned. This is, again, why I love doing this. Can you, outside of the seals or the pinnipeds, can you name two of the closest families to them? I just gave you some hints. Um, the grizzly bear. Ursidae. Good. Boing, boing, boing. Thank yes. You. Good job. Thank you. Thank okay. You. Thank you. It's because I was looking one. at YouTube videos about their skulls and. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like they just showed like a black bear yeah. skull and of course, you know, yeah. some canines and then they show the grizzly bear, which we're going to cover mm-hmm. soon. And I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I just probably shouldn't give away all of our, all of our secrets, but secrets. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> top secret. Like yeah. some, yeah, so yeah. many people care. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. And but anyways, uh, and of course it's, it is, it's the largest land mammal skull. Is a grizzly mm-hmm. bear. Mm-hmm. Okay. For a carnivore, so, I'm sorry. Obviously yeah. for yeah, an elephant, whatever. Yeah. For a carnivore. Yeah. And, but then they put the elephant seal next to it and its skull mm-hmm. is massive compared mm-hmm. to a grizzly. And then we'll get to it when we talk about nutrition and stuff, but they are carnivore. And so they still have those massive canines on top and bottom. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, almost it kind of mm-hmm. looked like a, a grizzly skull. So. Okay, yeah. that's my one guess. Good, I, I, good, 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 I, good, good. No, that's good. That's true. That's the closest. Now, who's who else is close? Ooh, that we love. We love them. We hyenas? love them. No, no. <laughs> it's that class of animals that are just naughty, naughty, naughty. Going back, tap, tap, tap on the shoulder, and they you oh, roll ferrets. over the prairie dog. Well, yeah, or mustelids. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay. So bears and, and, and mustelids are their That's, closest relatives. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. I love that. I, I got so excited when I read no, that. No, that, like, that one, I, I didn't see that one coming, but that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, the family tree of the pinnipeds is just so complex, but you, you do have the, the three major classes of them. And now Angie, here we go. Another fun fact. So other than the elephant seal being the largest pinniped ever, because again, 
some of these aquatic animals, it's hard to find bones and things like that. But so the, the, the elephant seal is the largest. I went and looked at the smallest seal. Aww. And I'm sure you have no idea who this one is. I definitely don't, but I need it in my life no. right now. And I need a picture. Yes. Well, let me tell you where you're going to go. Okay. You're going to go to Siberia. Okay. And you're going to go to Lake Baikai. Mm-hmm. It's landlocked. So this is the only exclusive freshwater seal on earth. Wow. I did not yeah. know that. It's, yes. This is so exciting. The Bacal seal. The Bacal seal. And it's it's one of the smallest seals in the world. Mm -hmm. It only gets about four and a half feet long or 1.7 meters. can weigh up to about 150 pounds or 70 kilograms. Perfect. I love it already. And there's there's about 80,000 of them in that lake. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Landlocked. Like they're landlocked. So it's just that lake. Oh, and their faces are, oh my God, Angie, their faces, they have huge whiskers, huge eyebrows. They're like just so cute. They're so cute. Oh, so anyways, I thought that was cool. I love it. That's super fun. Now here's some interesting facts because we're about to jump into physiology. Now the Southern elephant seals have a lifespan about 20 to 22 years, but the Northern's only nine years. And I was like, huh. And I don't, I didn't see anything why, but I was wondering like, is it because of that genetic bottleneck? So that was a surprising fact. And then there, you know, not to get too much into eye physiology, cause we do want to get into some of the stuff about them diving. They actually have more rods than cones in their eyes to see in low light conditions. So when they're doing those deep vibe dives, right? Yes. And the reason for that is because mm-hmm. the rods are in charge of the black and whites, right? The shades of gray. Mm-hmm. And the cones are in charge of the colors. So you said they have more rods, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That makes sense. And so, yeah. Chris, a little quiz for you. A little physiology quiz. Oh, gosh. For the My photoreceptors with the cones, what colors, what wavelength colors do they absorb? Green and red? Yellow? Um, you got two out of three. Green, red, yellow. Green, purple, red, no. blue, no yellow, blue. Do they see blue? Blue. But blue. Oh gosh, there's a blue's weird. Well, well, that's a whole different podcast for a whole different day. Radio Lab did that one where this tribe doesn't see blue, right? Like, oh, cool. Like they think in history. Yeah, that stuff's bizarre. Okay, cool. Okay. Now I know you're going to talk about the nose, but, and but yeah, but, but it makes sense with yeah. the, the the shades of gray. More rods would mm-hmm. be helpful, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. in the water. So they're trichromatic, right? They can see three colors, where some animals are dichromatic. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, elephant seals do go through an annual they call it catastrophic molt, where. Okay, Chris, wait a second. This is where I got hung up for about <laughs> an then, hour. Then run with week. it. Run with it. Run with it. So it's pretty cool. Well, it's yes, but I, so what Chris is talking about is, and I don't know if we've touched on it in the podcast, but a lot of animals drop either their fur or their feathers throughout the year, mm-hmm. and they call it molting. Mm-hmm. And basically, they take the old, they get rid of the old to make room for the new. And we'll have to say save more of the physiology about how and why birds do this mm-hmm. when we get to a bird species. But yeah. Elephant seals undergo an annual, so once a year, what they call catastrophic molt. Mm-hmm. That's not me being dramatic. Mm-mm. That's really what the researchers call mm-hmm. it, where they shed the entire outer layer of their skin and their hair. 
or their, their peelage. Mm -hmm. And it basically like comes off and sheets onto the beach. So of course they're going to do this molting behavior when they're hauled out on, on land. They're not going to do it in the, in the ocean. And it's just, they look like if you, I was, like I said, hung up and watching a lot of videos and pictures. They, they look like they're falling apart and just the way it comes out in like clumps and sheets. And I'm used to the Bactrian camels that I worked with. They, oh, yeah. in the summertime, because they, they have, they grow very, a very hardy winter coat mm -hmm. because they can, they're in the desert, but it's obviously, um, you know, in Mongolia area. And so Crazy. it's like, freezing at night and then hot during the day. So there, I mean, it just roll in the summertime. It just, or late spring, it just like rolls off. But with the elephant seals, it's even more dramatic in the fact that during this molting process, the, the skin underneath is super sensitive and they stay out of the water to protect the soon to be new exterior. And sometimes too, they almost, you'll almost see like bumps or like, mm -hmm. Uh, like scabs over it. Uh, it's, 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 it's a process. And it was like with the camels, it wasn't like that at all. And, and so females and young elephant seals will start out the process from April and May. So that makes sense. Like late mm -hmm. spring, mm -hmm. uh, young moles will melt from May to June and the adults finish out this dramatic molting in July to August. But I just, well, the camels, it make and with birds it makes sense to me and with camels the camels it makes sense because of uh the the great temperature changes. Mm -hmm. I guess what I got hung up on, and maybe you can help me out with, is why the seals do this. Uh yeah. That sounds like a seal. <laughs> so I kinda I, it's a good guess. I, I you know, trying I, to think of I the, guess in aquatic I mean the ocean does the ocean's gonna warm in the summer somewhat. I, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't. It's a, a skin regeneration. I don't. Know. I don't you know, I, the, the parasites. I mean, there are parasites in the oceans, but yeah. Oh, that's a good. That's a good hypothesis. Yeah. Uh, maybe for parasites. But what's really interesting, Chris, too, about this is um, a study out of the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences (PNAS), which is a, a great, um, very prestigious journal. So scientists at the UC University of California, Santa Cruz, showed the elephant seals when they shed, what it does is it releases a significant amount mm. of mercury into the surrounding waters and makes those coastal waters where they're hauled out nearby a lot higher in mercury. And, and this is in the um, mm. Ano Nuevo State Reserve. So what researchers are hypothesizing is because of industrial emissions, mostly from burning coal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you, coal, very much. Uh, uh, they've also increased the amount of mercury in the marine environment two to four fold, fold over pre-industrial levels. And of course, you know, at this rate, global emissions mm -hmm. are going to continue to increase over the next several decades stuff if we don't together. get our yeah. stuff together. Um, and, and of course, and all of this is just recycling back into the coastal environment and it's a real problem. And so, so that's what I, you know, I'm wondering, like, are they trying to get, cause we know that animals higher up in the mm -hmm. food chain accumulate mercury because of the smaller animals that they eat and up. So, and then, and then a lot of these animals will store it because mercury is never, you know, it doesn't go away. It just like moves from one 
place to the other. And so, and I know they store it like in their blubber. Um, but I'm like, are they trying to get, and obviously some's in their hair, if this is what's in their skin. So I'm like, maybe it's like a new way to try to get rid of those toxic levels. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Um, but anyways, I just thought that that was very interesting and uh, obviously, um, kind of relates to what we're doing. Um, to our yeah, environment here, right? Environment. <laughs> yeah, it just goes back to the it, it goes back to the beginning, you know, and we're talking about the oceans and ocean health and our listeners as heroes. So, you know, we need to to keep working and luckily it's been in the news, you know. This yeah, stuff is, well these re- and these is, researchers is that, to pick yeah, up. Yeah, these researchers that you see um uh Santa Cruz are like my new conservation heroes of the week. I mean, they're awesome. They're doing awesome work. They're fighting for these guys, they're trying to learn more about them, about their physiology. And so in order to help protect them. So. Yeah. Yep. Now jump into nutrition real quick. You know, these are elephant seals are migratory feeders. They, they prefer mainly squid, but they will eat some fish and crustaceans. So in, in the Northern hemisphere, they have found males as far North as the Aleutian islands off Alaska. The, Mm -hmm. The females prefer to, to forage or eat off Oregon or Washington Pacific Northwest in the U S the Southerns are, are ranging all over Antarctica. So that's what, that's what they're down. Now they've done a lot of satellite tracking and some of the stuff's very interesting that these seals spend very little time on the surface that they just come up to breathe and they spend most of their time underwater. What Angie was talking earlier, Angie, this one, it, a whale did beat this record. they measured this one elephant seal that dove to a record of 2,388 meters that's in- off Antarctica. That's insane. And it, and it stayed down for 120 minutes or almost for two hours. Even two more hours. insane. It's crazy. Yeah. That's, there was a whale that went deeper, but I mean, usually they only under, they're only under for 20 minutes and they go down to about a thousand meters, but this was the record and they blew researchers out of the water with that. They were like, Oh my God. And that goes into what you were saying earlier about why care. So things like we've covered in blue whales, they slow their heartbeat, divert blood flow away from their extremities to their core organs. Their red blood cells have better potential to carry oxygen. They flatten their lungs like whales. They have more, yeah, pressure. they have more, more red blood cells as well. Yeah. Just crazy physiology. I never would have expected that. Well, Chris, they also have a really large blood volume in general. So therefore Mm -hmm. they can store more oxygen when diving and they have large sinuses in their abdomens to hold blood so they can store oxygen in their muscles. Of course, with increased myoglobin concentrations in the muscle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, Well, Chris, the other thing too, that perplexes researchers during these massive dives is the lack of sleep for extended periods of times. And records suggest that these animals conduct dive after dive after dive to these depths for these, um, you know, 20 to 70 minutes uh, for 24 hours a day, sometimes months at a time. Mm-hmm. They hypothesize that during the dive, they have to go so deep that it almost be it almost might be like a form of sleeping because their metabolic rate is so low. So just wacky Nuts. stuff here. I yeah. mean, really, yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're the record holders. So that's, mm. 
Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, for a pinniped, they go deep. They go deep. Yeah. And the things that eat them, great white sharks, and there, I've got some good data coming up that's really interesting. Um, obviously, orcas, king of the sea. Uh, leopard seals will take pups or the young, so they can uh, do that. And then I even read cookie cutter sharks will come out and take a little bite. And I remember that from Octonauts, right? <laughs> little cookie cutter sharks. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. No, I told uh, uh, Xander asked what podcast I was doing tonight, and I was like, "Oh, Alpha mm-hmm. Seal." He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah. I saw an Octonauts about that." <laughs> I'm like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> he put him on. We gotta yeah, have him yeah. back on. We yeah. gotta have Xander back on. Oh, he's so great." Oh, he requested so squirrels. I, just squirrels. Make that squirrels. Okay. Just put that out there in the universe. If any of our other listeners <laughs> would like squirrels. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> we'll do Xander. We'll interview Xander again. There are those really, cool, behavior- tech, those really cool Technicolor squirrels maybe that we could do. That'd be fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some, yeah, there's, there's we'll some. We'll do squirrels someday great. at some point in time. Yeah. We'll do that for our friend Angie down there. Our other Angie down in Gainesville. Angie she number loves two. Squirrels. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to tell her. <laughs> well, Chris, just to touch on or add a little bit to the nutrition is with elephant seals, they have external whiskers called vibrasae, probably not saying that right, but it helps mm-hmm. them locate prey and navigate their environment. We've talked about that, I think, before in otters. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the vibrasae, the vibrasae, the I don't know, are connected to blood vessels and nerves and muscles. So they're really like an important, you know, they're like our fingertips, right? And mm-hmm. then inside their stomachs, they have what are called gastroliths. And I had to look that up. But gastrolith is basically like a stomach stone or a gizzard stone or a rock. Yeah. Uh, and I know that like birds do that and stuff. I guess I was just, I, I didn't, I, I was very surprised with elephant seals that that was a part of their physiology, but it must be, it's probably because maybe their metabolism is so low during these dives. This is me totally mm. just hypothesizing. I didn't read speculating, anything about speculating yeah. very much. Very good word. But yeah, I, I couldn't find out why they have them, but I'm, I'm wondering if it's because during their deep dives with low metabolic rate, you know, they, it helps keep things moving through their system. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably helps break stuff up. Yeah. And then sense. the other thing too, that always fascinates me because I'm a avid water drinker. I probably since I've been a child, I've always, the typical question is, well, do fish drink water? We drink a lot of water. So with seals, do you know if seals, elephant seals drink water? Yes. No. They do. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, they absorb it. Right. They, they, they have a straw. There's tons of straws <laughs> in the ocean. So they just there are a lot, unfortunately. And... I hate to make fun of the ocean, but that's pretty funny, Chris. Uh, there are a lot know, of straws in the ocean, so they could just drink it out. Yeah. Uh, Take one and. Yeah. But, uh, our no, listeners so are okay. stopping that. Everybody's stopping their straw usage. Yeah. They're getting yes. the metal yes. oh, um, uh, reusable ones. But yeah, Chris, it's believed that these animals never drink water. Their source of water mm-hmm. comes okay. from the breakdown of fats. Squid? Yeah, yeah. their okay. fat storage. Yeah. Um, and they also have other physiological adaptations to conserve water in their body. So they have a really concentrated urine. As an adaption. Yeah, I did read that. Uh, yeah. so yeah. yeah, just, uh, and of course too, when it's not, a, I, I was going to say, it's not a good weight loss program for us. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if we just stopped drinking and then just fat would be converted to water? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Don't do that. No. Don't do that. You will die quickly. Very quickly. You will die yes. quickly. Yes. <laughs> yes. But these guys are cool. I mean, when they come out, uh, for molting and or for breeding, when they're hauled out on the, mm-hmm. 
on the shore for or to, or to have their pups for a long period of time they're also not eating they're fasting so they're not eating and mm-hmm. they're not drinking and they're just that blubber i mean it's doing its job right pretty cool <laughs> this doesn't work at us that no sucks. my blubber does not help me in any way shape or form yeah. <laughs> no 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 now jump into behavior angie the, for spending most of their life out in the ocean it's just crazy to think about well, and they pretty much nailed it, Chris. Like elephant seals spend the majority of their time, 90% or some, underwater in search of food. They can cover up to 60 miles a day when they head out to sea. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the numbers that I read in different papers, some was 90%, some was 80% of their life. But, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty crazy. And they migrate, right? So when they're out to sea, I saw – distances, uh, linear distances. So this doesn't even mm-hmm. include the diving. So just linear distance of, uh, 21,000 kilometers a year. So that's Jeez, some marathons, right? It's and that crazy. doesn't include diving, yeah. right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. just, just really, really, I mean, ocean, ocean, even though, you know, we see them on land and stuff at certain during breeding season and things, but they're pretty much out in the water doing their thing. Like you said, they can hold their breath for up to 100 minutes or longer than any uh, non-cetacean, shutation type mm-hmm. mammal. And females, their length of their dive is a little bit shorter. Uh, on average, it's about 20 minutes for females and about 60 minutes for males. And females actually tend to dive a bit deeper, probably due to the different prey that they eat. And mm-hmm. when they're up for air... They are, it's maybe two to three minutes and then they're back to work. So it's pretty crazy. Um, but you can see the seals will be on shore, uh, usually December through March during the mating season. And then again, beginning in April through August when they haul out for molting. So those are the times to see them. The northern elephant seals are probably mostly solitary when they're in the water. Um, but of course they have these large aggregates during mating season on the shore when they haul out. And during the mating season, there's definitely a social hierarchy, which is really, uh, for those, I'm, I'm pretty jealous of these, uh, UC, uh, Santa Cruz researchers to get to study because, their behavior yeah. because they're, they, there's some cool videos on YouTube. We'll put them on our show notes, but they have this, some really cool, behaviors that they display in order to win over or win the females and to breed as many females as possible. It's uh, watching those videos and seeing elephant seals fight for mating. I just, you know, leading you to, to breeding that they call the, these males that the big ones, the giant battle hardened, aggressive beach masters. I love and so, it. Beach master. <laughs> that's great. I'm going to start. I'm gonna yeah. They, start they are masters John of the that. beach. I'm going to start calling John the, be- the beach master. <laughs> the beach master. <laughs> so, but the fights are just crazy. And they, they do have this thickened skin around their necks, the, the older males. You know, so they do bleed a lot, but they have really thick skin there. So, you know, usually doesn't end in death like the Saiga last week. But, yeah, I mean, well, just these males breed quite a few females, right? right? Well, you, touched, you touched on it exactly. I mean, a lot of times when with the courtship and behavior, I always talk about, you know, what the male does for the female or what the female does for the male. To, and this one is, mm-hmm. from, my, from my understanding of it, um, the courtship is more like the males getting rid of the competition. 
So it's all about being the mm-hmm. dominant male arrives at the potential breeding site and he'll spend months there fasting to ensure that he can mate with as many females as possible. And the way he establishes his dominance is basically like you said, by fighting vocal noises, different positions, uh, sh- different movements with his body to show the other males that he's deemed the dominant. And then they'll also show off their nose and make loud, these loud vocali- vocalizations to kind of, once again, show that they're the toughest guy. And the other thing, too, is during these battles, they, like, chest ram each other, too, uh, which when they're mm-hmm. kind of upright, and a seal is upright, I guess, as a seal can be, uh, it, position, their chest kind of come in contact with each other. And I watched a video to understand how big these guys are. I found some videos that show... It must have been a breeding male. Somehow he hauled up near beach and he was chest <laughs> slamming a car, like a four door. Yes, it's, it's a sit New Zealand. Car it's a New Zealand. And just like, <laughs> yes. there's nothing that people can, yeah, he attack cars, there's nothing people can right. do about it besides <laughs> just like get out of the way because he's like moving this car with his like big chest. So, <laughs> anyway, so they're pretty impressive. And then, and since elephant seals, the males are polygonous. They basically need to, you know, score as many girlfriends as possible. And once he's done all this display to get rid of all the other males, this fighting, this vocalization, this chest, this, all this stuff, uh, he'll basically throw a fip, flipper. He basically, to Chris, just throws a flipper over the side of the female, grips her neck and his teeth, and mm-hmm. the copulation begins. So the females, mm-hmm. In my opinion, maybe not courted too much, just basically she mm. wins the strongest bull. Yeah. So uh, male elephants are called bulls. And yeah. and the other interesting behavior that a female will do is if a sub- subordinate or non-dominant male does try to breed with her, she can release an audible like bawling sound of basically mm. saying like, hey, this is not, you know, this is not my guy. And then, of course, a dominant yeah. bull will come over and yeah. chase off the subordinate. So it's, it's really just this very dynamic and very visual and Raunchy. like I said, I just <laughs> so cool. I wish I was, yeah, I wish I was one of these researchers because it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of male to male, like the males oh, are, t- and, and they kind of have to be because they come up when they, you know, when they haul out for either breeding season or I mean, they have, there's a lot mm-hmm. of them around. Mm-hmm. Right. So they need to be, they need to, you know, they need to be the tough guy in order to, um, to establish, to pass their genes along. Right. So yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. And then when the other really cool thing that goes along the lines of them being related to carnivores or ursidae is when the female is bred, she experiences delayed implantation. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before, where that's where the, uh, the egg and the sperm come together to create an embryo, but the embryo only divides a few times and becomes like a blastocyte, blastocyst, blastocyst, or blastula probably. And it doesn't implant in her uterus. So it just kind of hangs out and delayed implantation in the elephant seal lasts about three months. So total gestation time is about a year. So they're probably pregnant about nine mm-hmm. months with this or three month delayed implantation, then nine months. 
which is basically allows for this yearly birthing mm-hmm. interval and where they all come out at the same time and they have, uh, you know, and they, they all have their pups and they basically birth and breed from December to March, depending on, you know, where, um, what part of the world they're in. Um, so the other thing that's kind of fascinating is when an offspring is born, Chris, how much do you think they weigh? Oh, um, they're pretty small, like 50 pounds, maybe about 80, 80 pounds. pounds. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they're not too big and in four feet. So, and they usually twins are, I don't know if twins have been recorded. Usually it's just a mm-hmm. single pup. And, and when they're born, they have this black mm-hmm. fur. Uh, but as they're weaned, they shed their black coat and replaced by the lighter mm-hmm. brown that we're more used to mm-hmm. seeing. But super fascinating. I'm not sure if we covered this in walruses, but the milk produced by an elephant seal is crazy high in milk mm-hmm. fat compared to other mm-hmm. mammals. So human breast milk is about 4% milk fat. Cow milk is about 3.5% milk fat. Elephant seal, mommy mm-hmm. elephant seal milk fat is 50% milk fat. Wow, fat. Yeah, that's, they grow fast too. And yes, yeah, so the pups gain weight like crazy on this really high milk fat. Um, and they, the females really only lactate for about 27 days, you know, okay. about a month before they're weaned. And then once the weaned pup will stay close to the mom for a while, but then the mom basically leaves the pup behind and she goes off to mm-hmm. sea. So the young groups of pups that all have been left alone on shore form a pod and they'll stay up there. They'll basically hang out in this like teenager land or whatever mm-hmm. uh, for up to three to four four months without parental care. And mm-hmm. that's when they learn to swim and surf. And that's probably when they're very susceptible to Predation, predators yeah. and things like that. Um, no, and that's – I mean it, it rolls good into conservation. I mean even though these animals are, are classified as least concerned by the IUCN – there's still some, some worry there. The, the northern elephants went from, like we said, less than a hundred to about 110,000 today, you know, off the west coast of the United States. The southern elephants are higher at 325,000, but remember, they have a much wider range, huge range, and they've suffered some decline. So the IUCN does note that there is some, uh, low survival of adult females or the pups. And a lot of this is, is the changing climate that food reserves or, or food is changing where they can find food. And so they are finding that, that there, there is, has been some decline that they can't really pin yet on exactly why. But so we do got to keep an eye on them. It's just ocean health again is, is just horrific what's going on in the ocean. So to say that there won't be an effect on these populations would be naive. I think that, you know, as, as the ocean continues to suffer, other species suffering, whales, fish, other things that we're going to see this too in the elephant seals. Now I do know there are, there's, there's an organization out there fighting for them, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the one there's uh, probably, there's several, especially some of the bigger players like WWF. Uh, but one that I was near and dear to my heart that I want to focus on is called the Marine Mammal Center. And they can be found at the marinemammalcenter.org. And Chris, the Marine Mammal Center is out there by you. They uh, founded themselves in Salsalito, California, beautiful part of the world. I've actually driven mm-hmm. through there. I haven't spent too much time. Mm-hmm. Would love to spend more time. Mm-hmm. So I'll check it out sometime on a field trip, perhaps. 
But the Marine Mammal Center is basically a, a center that has the mission to advance global ocean conservation through marine mammal rescue and rehabilitation, scientific research, and education, right? So all all the bells and whistles love these guys. They're doing great work. They are taking care of these marine mammals that have been injured in the wild or are sick or diseased and rehabilitating them. And then, of course, utilizing scientific research to learn how to respond to animals and or how to reduce sick, injured, diseased animals. And then, of course, once again, educate people, which is what we're all here to do. So um, tell your friends about the Marine Mammal Center. Conservation tips of the week. Angie, we're going to talk plastics, of course. We're talking about the ocean. And did you know, I got this off a website, greeneducationfoundation.org, that 30 million tons of plastic waste generated in the United States, only 7% of it was recycled. So I don't know if that's, this is a little bit older data, but I don't know. Well, no, we're I'm having a sure big it's problem not much here. higher. Well, you know, we don't I don't know about people actually putting stuff mm-hmm. in their blue bins and orange bins or whatever color they are in your city, which some yeah. people do. I don't, I don't know the statistics on that, but we're having a real crisis in the United States because yeah. our, a lot of our plastic that we, we historically have shipped to China to recycle. Uh, because we don't have a lot of facilities mm-hmm. here. There's not a, unfortunately, there's not enough demand. So everybody should write big companies like Coca-Cola and any bottled water company, whatever, yeah. and demand that they, even if they raise their prices a little bit, like please use recycle. If you're going to use plastic, which obviously you are, use recycled plastic because here in the States, we don't have yeah. a market yeah. for it. And so we've been shipping it to China where allegedly there is a market for it. They buy it from us and then they reuse it. But now China, I don't understand probably, I don't know if it's like administration relations or what politics. I don't know why, but they're not accepting it anymore. So there's a 60 minutes episode where now we're shipping it over somewhere else in Asia and maybe like Vietnam or something. And yeah, nobody really knows i mean they're buying it from us but yeah they're buying it from us but are they recycling it and basically the news reporters were like we don't we don't know probably not like it's probably going into a landfill or into an ocean it's not good it's not good here in um north america we need to vote with our dollar and tell people that we want we need more places to use recycled plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is where our listeners come in to be, to be heroes and, and help us spread the message, you know, share this podcast and share these tips. So we, we did joke a little bit about straws in the ocean, but it's actually a big problem. So it, we've got to keep demanding not to use plastic straws, refuse them in restaurants. Carry your own. You know, if, if you must have a straw, get, yeah, get the stainless steel or glass straws or they're even making paper straws now. So some other tips, you know, uh, use matches instead of disposable plastic lighters or invest in a refillable metal lighter if you can. Here's one interesting I thought. Avoid buying frozen foods. Not only are frozen foods processed and not as healthy, but the even if it's cardboard, you know, packaging, All it's still covered that. in a thin layer of plastic. So you can do that. Yeah. Buy fresh food. Here you go for your kiddos or for people that do want to have kids. The, the environmental protection agency here in the U S says we produce 7.6 billion pounds of disposable diapers in the U S each year. 
use cloth diapers if you can. Yes, I've got uh, we, some for sale. We did cloth diapers. <laughs> yeah. Email us yeah, if you I want know. some. <laughs> I'll give them to you. Jay <laughs> yeah. will send them to you. But it, it will really help save you money, which is oh, a big absolutely. one, and also reduce your carbon footprint. And yeah. I have no scientific proof, so I shouldn't be saying this since I am a scientist, but mm-hmm. I believe that my boys potty train faster because of cloth diapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, diapers. I, be, yeah, because they're not made as well as disposable. So that's mm, comfy. They're less, they yeah. feel the wetness more because they're of the age, mm-hmm. you know, when they hit the age of where that matters too or so, <laughs> they, don't like that feeling. Whereas disposable. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. So disposable diapers, you know, they're, they're made, there's so much, whatever that weird jelly stuff, who knows what it yeah. is in there yeah. can absorb so much. They don't, it doesn't bother them. They don't so care. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So there's a, yeah. Uh, anecdotal evidence. Also, you know, you want to pack it. If you bring your lunch, put it in reusable containers and bags, you know, use fresh fruit and veggies. Don't buy those single use plastic cups. And finally, I thought this was was good. Use a razor with replaceable blades instead of a disposable razor. Absolutely. So there's just some tips, and I'll yeah. post these on the uh, the website in our show notes. And I don't know if we've done it yet, but I um, I'm a big fan now. We've gotten rid of Saran Wrap, and we use uh, the wax, the bees wax sheets. Paper. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, they're sell companies are selling them now. I don't know. The, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. But yeah, they're reusable, basically like. Wax made, bees wax made, um, sheets that you put over whatever the can of coconut milk or whatever you open and you put it in your fridge or on top of your watermelon so it stays fresh or what, what anything you do saran wrap for. Yeah. Who needs it? It's not yeah. good for the get oceans. Rid of, get rid of plastics. Get rid of plastic. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I talked to you a little bit about great white sharks and elephant seals. So this study that I read, and again, I'll, I'll post this on the show notes too. This was studying northern elephant seals off San Francisco or the Farallon Islands. And the young elephant seals come and haul out from September through November. And so these sharks are tagged and they, they've done studies for 20, 20 years plus. Now, elephant seals are, are bigger than, you know, obviously they're huge compared to other seals. So they can't go as far off the beach. And the great, what they found is the great white sharks know when they come and they go through the channels and they kind of stay near the channels where the elephant seals are coming and going. They found that the great white sharks prefer elephant seals seven to one to any other type of seal. Hmm, interesting. Probably because that blubber. I don't know. Yeah, or exactly, that, all that blood. Yeah. I don't know. Now here you go, Angie. For me and all my friends in California, they estimate that there's either a few hundred or a few thousand great white sharks off the California coast. Those are, that's <laughs> a big difference. A few thousand. Yes, I know. I was like, what? But. Great white shark attacks are rare. There's one to two per year, and there's about a single death every 10 years off California. So you actually have a 100 times greater chance of drowning than you do being attacked by a great white shark. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or getting killed by a cow. What's the cow stats in the U.S.? 28 cows kill people per year. 28 people killed per year for cows. So, you know, interesting stuff. This was fun. This was a fun one. I knew it would be a fun species. A wonderful species. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you're our heroes. Thank you for listening. Share this episode with your ocean-loving friends. I know I will. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Aloha and goodbye. Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.